At Wendy's, we make breakfast better. Like with our breakfast baconator. Better from top to bottom bun. Savory sausage patty? Better. Crispy oven baked bacon? Better. Fresh cracked egg? Better. The breakfast baconator might just be the greatest breakfast sandwich of all time. So you can keep settling for not better, or you can get a better breakfast from Wendy's. Tough choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Better Breakfast. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago. With a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Back to the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. It's a bit of a shock to the system to say that for the first time here. Uh, obviously, big news in the Razzball Prospect corner here uh, with myself and, and Michael Halpern. Um, Mike has left the show. He is moving on to greener pastures, uh, sort of. He's, uh, I, I guess, going back into his chosen profession, which is attorney. Uh, he's going uh, back to a firm and uh, he's going to be busy full time practicing law and doing his actual job. You know, we actually obviously have real jobs here at Razzball. We're not just full time fantasy analysts. Uh, I've talked about uh, myself many times. So uh, best wishes to Mike. You know, obviously all good um, on, on our end. We're, you know, great friendship. Nothing on that side really is just sort of a work related thing. Um, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. It's been a heck of a journey and uh we're going to be moving on though and uh we have picked a successor today it's just going to be me solo i kind of just wanted to put something out for the longtime listeners update everybody on what the situation was talk a little arizona fall league talk a couple of my thoughts just on you know some of these players i've been digging in on maybe we'll talk a little mock draft i've been doing those with the crab army if you're checking for me on twitter i've been throwing a couple of those out there every week we're just constantly drafting this year, always be mocking. That's that's the Crab Army mantra this offseason, so we've, we've started big already. Um, but, you know, sort of just going back to something that I think uh, Mike had touched on with, with Gray in, in their first Razzball podcast together. One of the, the first couple ones was the origin story one. I don't know if, if you guys listened along to them. They had this big diatribe, but origin story, yada, yada, yada. And, and I just kind of wanted to touch on – sort of the the origins of, of this podcast just for a second and acknowledge how it came to be um you know february 2016 i i had taken over for prospector mike and uh 
you know, I would kind of finished up with his style of post and sort of tried, tried to, con- you know, keep things status quo. And I think probably somewhere around May or so I started to tweak with, uh, you know, some of the different content that I was putting out there and I had some ideas and, you know, one of them centered around doing a prospect focused podcast. And I think I maybe talked to JFO about it and some other people, Smokey, whoever, you know, I, I was sort of texting with and, and shooting, you know, thoughts back and forth with at the time. And I, I don't think either of them were, were sort of into it. They were both sort of lukewarm on it. So I didn't really have a partner to do this whole podcast thing was whatever. So I, I did my top 100. It came out uh, or midseason top 100 that year, 2016, came out in July. I also want to hype myself up. It was the first time that I, I, I put Reese Hoskins into my list. I think he was in the top 50, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look. I don't have it in front of me, whatever. Uh, but either way, I put that list out there. It got some attention. And I think that's when I first sort of started to get my own style, uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, <laughs> whether you're a fan of my work or not. But uh, And at that point, I, I remember Grace sent me an email and somebody had reached out to him. It, it turned out to be to, to be help. And uh, he had sent, written up this article and was sort of comparing and contrasting his own list from imaginarybrickwall.com, my list, my top 100. And I believe it was Brett Sayers top 100 list over at baseball prospectus. And I really liked Mike's take and more or less, he agreed with me more than he agreed with Brett, uh, smart man. And, uh, we got in contact with each other and what ended up coming about was I had had this idea, like I said, about this, this podcast focused on, you know, the prospect end of dynasty leagues and sort of building from that aspect. Cause I feel that that's a bigger and bigger part of today's dynasty game, obviously, but the majors too and it's exciting and prospects and, and minor leagues are on the rise you know the, the amount of content that's out there in the last two or three years is uh quadruple what it had been minor league numbers have ticked up as well so getting back on topic you know we had come up with this idea to, to, to sort of you know do this podcast together i think you know we did two of them uh initially and we had called it the fantasy gold rush podcast as if we were like prospectors digging for gold and I remember I dropped the second episode in Gray's comments. And I had said, hey, guys, you know, sort of check this out, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, you know, Gray had, had emailed me on the side. I don't know if Gray's going to kill me for saying this. And was sort of angry that I, I hadn't reached out to him and, and sort of mentioned that I was doing, you know, my own podcast and, and what it was. And we sort of went back and forth and we discussed it. And uh, I think it, it sort of just came about that it was like, well, why don't we try to make it into a Razzball thing? And I didn't have a problem doing that, you know, uh, certainly making it more professional package, getting it out to more people, getting onto the site, but it was all good stuff. Uh, and, you know, help being a big fan of Gray, uh, and I guess my work as well. And uh, he agreed to come on and, and it sort of just took off from there and, you know, 50 odd podcasts later. And, and uh, I think we had really, you know, built up quite a fan base. So, uh, if you're not aware, we do have a replacement. Uh, the person that we're going to be moving forward with, uh, at least as my co-host, will be uh, Lance from uh, uh, Razzball, uh, from Big Three Sports, um, from Twitter, from a million different other sites. I think you did some work for Baseball Prospectus as well. Uh, so Lance is going to be coming aboard. Lance really knows his stuff when it comes to the redraft side of things, as I'm sure you see in a majority of his posts. Uh, on Rasball, but he really is sort of uh, uh, a well-versed player all around, as I try to be myself, plays a lot of different styles of leagues, 
you know, a lot of different scoring formats. So he's sort of familiar that he can work his way in and out of it. He really knows prospects as well. Uh, he doesn't do much prospect contact, obviously, on Rasball, but on his own site, I know he has uh, done top 100 lists and, and the like. So he's very familiar with the prospecting game. I know it was, I was very impressed this summer. He actually went to the Cape League All-Star game. He actually lives in the Boston area. Uh, so we're going to be able to do some different things uh, on that end as well. He's local. We'll be able to go to some games together, take in uh, some actual scouting together, uh, potentially do some actual live podcasts in the same room, which I, I think sort of brings another dimension to it. So we're going to continue with the same sort of content we're going to be doing, uh, I believe, the week after Thanksgiving. So next week, I'm not sure when we're going to end up posting this uh, or if we post this at all, <laughs> at all for that matter. Um, but we should be posting uh, the week after Thanksgiving. So I think it's the first week of December. And we're going to go into uh, first year player draft. I'm going to do the whole old first-year player draft ranking, and then we're going to kick off the teams going to go in the same order that I'm going on the site, uh, which is obviously alphabetical. So we're going to start off with the Diamondbacks, yada, yada, yada. My plan is to bring in a, uh, a second guest or, or a third person uh, onto the show uh, and have them be a particular expert with that particular team so they can sort of speak the ins and outs of the system. Um, I thought that would be an, an interesting take on things. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, that we do plan to do here. Wow. I will tell you, it is a much different game uh, having to do these podcasts by yourself. Uh, I am dying to take a drink of my coffee. So uh, give me a break a second. All right. That is uh, just about the best thing ever. So now that we've uh, sort of handled where we've been, where we're going, um, why don't we just get into the Arizona Fall League? Why don't we get into some of the stuff that's been going on down there? Obviously, uh, Peoria, uh, rightly won the Fall League Championship. That was Ronald Acuna's team, the Braves team, the Red Sox team, the Padres team. Pretty much just had uh, a stacked lineup up and down. They had, you know, anybody of interest, it seemed like, in the Fall League was pretty much on Peoria this year. So uh, cheers to them, but cheers mostly to Ronald Acuna. I don't think we have to say too much uh, about Acuna at this point. Um, I don't. I don't really think there's there's and much that needs to be said. Obviously, when the 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 fall league MVP, I don't know if he was the MVP championship game uh, MVP as well. He might have been, but it really doesn't matter. Um, but he just keeps on rolling. Um, you know, every every single level, challenge after challenge, this guy just meets it. And the funny thing is, it almost feels like at this point people are reaching to have things to sort of knock Acuna on because the only thing that he needs to do is hit at the major league level hasn't really struggled at any level of the minors, at least for any extended period of times, particularly this year. I did the same thing in the fall league. I mean, he looked like a major league player amongst these guys. Uh, I think, you know, even the first week of the season, he sort of started off slow from a power perspective. And if I'm not mistaken, ended up leading the fall league in homers. So uh, dilly dilly, Ronald Acuna, dilly dilly. Um, but it's funny, the, the couple of things that I have heard as Knox, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll call these guys out specifically by name, you know, Saris, uh, sort of gently alluded to some personality, sort of attitude issues, kind of mostly centered around some sort of brashness and and bravado, um, brashness. Um, you know, I, and I guess there's a, a sort of a, a, a Yasiel Puig sort of playfulness to the whole thing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not so sure. I worry about it all that much. He's having fun. It's the fall league. This guy has played a lot of baseball. Uh, over the last year plus. So that shouldn't be uh, too much of an issue here. But, you know, 
regardless, uh, that was one of the criticisms that I did hear. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, if you're 19 years old, and I think I actually said this to Eno on, on, on Twitter, but if you're 19 years old and you're going to be, you're going to be there playing with the big boys, the big swinging dicks, man, you better be ready to, to, to play. So, uh, I don't have an issue with him being a bit of an asshole. I think he's a lot like Hanley Ramirez. I know they get the Andrew Jones comps and some of these things. I think it's just because the Braves like to comp everybody to the, that, that 90s team. Every single player they have is going to get comped to a 90s team. I, I, I don't know if they've comped anybody to uh, Glavin or uh, Maddox yet or if those guys are untouchable, sacred names, but they always seem to like to comp within their organization. But I'm getting off track. And the other criticism that I heard was from uh, professional uh, Twitter troll mechanics guru, uh, Chris O'Leary. And if you follow Chris um, on Twitter, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, th- there were times where he's he's right on the head. I think that he's right with timing. Um, supposedly, he's worked and, and, and gotten a lot of uh, different players right. You know, if that's the case, then, then you know, certainly uh, credit to you, Chris. But I don't know. On, on Twitter at times, it feels like he does try to engage in, in a particular sort of way uh, to try to drum up some controversy. So he was sort of criticizing him for an arm bar. There are a lot of people that shot back with, you know, you know, shots of him, you know, right, right in his uh, uh, sort of his contact area when he's coming into the zone with a bat. And his, his arms are, are, you know, his elbow is bent. So I don't know if that's, if that's real or if it's a bad swing here or there. But he was saying he doesn't think he gets over 240. We'll see if that's the case or not. I think just from his general uh, profile, just in terms of balls in play and how quick he is out of the box, uh, I would imagine that he probably will hit at least 260. But we'll see. I, it remains to be seen. You know, um, lots more people than me out there, too. And, and I'm certainly not going to say that I'm any sort of mechanics guru or expert. Um, let's, let's move on to some other Braves that were pretty impressive um, over their time in the fall league, one of those being Max Free, uh, left-handed pitcher, guy is, uh, you know, former former uh, uh, teammate, high school teammate of a, a couple of well-known prospect names, one being Lucas Giolito, the other one being Jack Flaherty. So that is from Harvard Westlake, which I, I guess is kind of a, a ritzy joint, if I'm not mistaken. So I always like to bring that up. I I, uh, I feel like that's that that has something to do with with Max Fried, other than having a, an eighty grade name being uh, a prospect that just seems not to be able to die d- despite his best efforts. Um, also, moving on here, uh, let's let's talk about Fried's fall league. So, you know, he had sort of had a really up and down season. Double A was was. Awful. Uh, not not a great experience in Mississippi. He was the worst starter in that staff. That obviously included much younger pitchers like Mike Soroka, um, uh, Toussaint, I think at one point. No, probably not. But Soroka, Colby Allard, uh, Gohara was pitching there for a while. You know you know all these names and all the guys that, that, that had pitched there. Um, Freed was the worst of the bunch. And I think he was called up to AAA for a point. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, he was called directly up to the majors. And in the major leagues, his numbers actually weren't bad. He was he made some starts, used somewhat as a reliever, so he was sort of a, a swingman back and forth. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's what she said. Um, but either way, Freed actually had a decent showing in the majors. And I know there are a lot of people still love that elite fastball-curveball combo. His breaking ball is a plus-plus pitch. Might be one of the best breaking pitches in that system, and that's saying something. Um, and this guy has an opportunity next year to break the roster and potentially 
have a spot in the rotation, uh, if not as the long guy. I don't think we see him back in AAA. I do think we'll see him in the majors. Um, he's had health the last two seasons. That's been an issue previously. I, I believe there was uh, Tommy John surgery, maybe a shoulder issue before that. But he's sort of had a, 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 a checkered history when he was with uh, the Padres. I believe he came over in that, in that Upton trade, if I'm not mistaken. It's either Upton or the, or the Kimball trade. You know, I should have put that into my notes. But either way, I think Freed should be on your redraft radar, especially for deeper leagues, 16-plus, uh, anything maybe head-to-head, something that, you know, maybe there's, it's, it's locked moves, no waivers, um, you know, NFBC sort of a thing, and you can get him really, really late to give you some pitching depth. I don't think it's a bad play. Seems like he's sort of gotten uh, things together really right at the ship. I mean, he looked incredible in the fall league. Three and one, 1.73 ERA, 0.88 uh, whip, 32 Ks to uh, eight walks and 26 innings. That's over six starts. So I, like I said, I think this guy has um, some sneaky late round value in uh, some of your deeper redraft leagues. I've been grabbing him in some of my Crab Army mock drafts. Uh, if you're not following me on Twitter, follow me, Prospect Jesus. Uh, I've been putting out a few of these mock drafts uh, every single week, Just trying to engage, get everybody sort of still talking about baseball. I think it's interesting to look at. I know there's a lot of people, JFO, Gray, others included, think it's absolutely you know a waste of time and that the data doesn't mean anything. But I think it'll be interesting if we do these throughout the season, week after week after week, uh, as free agency happens. Uh, injuries happen to just sort of see what the adjustments are. I know obviously the biggest fluctuations in value typically happen between uh, the beginning of February and the end of March. That's obviously when camp happens and spring training games, you know, preseason, all that sort of stuff. And uh, jobs are won and lost. So it makes sense and stands to reason, but it should be interesting just to see what players sort of go up and down, what injuries happen in the off season, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, look out for those. They've been they've been a lot of fun. We haven't finished any of them yet. We have one draft that's pretty long. We have another 12-team that's finishing up. I think there's maybe two or three picks left there. Um, yeah, I've been trying to run two or three at a time. Anyway, moving on to more Braves that have been making some noise or made some noise in the fall league. I guess it's past tense at this point. Uh, one being Alex Jackson. Um, the poor catching was definitely on display, as was uh, the absolute, um, you know, 70 grade power. This guy still has legitimate pop in that bat. He's going to be a slugger. It's just a matter of whether he can stick at the catching position or not. I, I don't know if the bat plays so much if, if he's a left fielder uh, or if he ends up, you know, getting traded out of the system and end up as a DH someplace. But, you know, with the Braves, we'll focus on him catching or potentially playing left field. I think if he's a catcher, he's a guy that you know, has that sort of skill set that it, I, I still think he would be on the fantasy radar if he was an outfielder. I'll, I'll put it that way. I don't think he's Gary Sanchez. Maybe he could be Gary Sanchez light, the Diet Coke of, of Gary Sanchez. Um, uh, Sanchez, uh, uh, what's that, uh, Dan? Sanchez Zero. He could be Sanchez Zero. Um, but he's got that sort of power. The approach is still kind of yucky. Um, I, I think it can get better. The bat is definitely legit. There's loads of low power. That's what you need to know about him. This guy is trapping balls left and right. Um, he's definitely a diver. Um, pitch framing is awful. I don't know if anyone saw the championship game. He had uh, Andres Munoz, who we'll, we'll get into in a little in a minute. But what you need to know about Munoz is that he throws triple digits and that his stuff is nasty, nasty slider. And, and man, he was really struggling 
to catch Munoz. So I, I don't know about you know his 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 long term prog, uh, prognosis and outlook as a catcher. I don't I don't know if that's possible. He may not stick behind the plate. Um, let's let's keep, stay with the Braves theme while we're on it. Um, next guy I wanted to mention was Austin Riley. Now I had ranked Riley ninety uh, seventh, um, I believe, or ninety fifth in my top one hundred. Um, when I did that a few weeks back, I feel like if I had waited another few weeks and I, and I do plan actually on updating the top 100 in the next couple of weeks again, just to sort of, uh, so show some of the fluctuations and value bumps that have happened. Um, first off based on, um, uh, the fall league. And then second, just on some of the things I'm seeing in early first year player drafts and things I'm reading in terms of, you know, wrap up scouting reports. And it seems like people are sort of, uh, taking in a lot of information right now. So this is a point in the season where people who are up on prospects, um, you know, who maybe don't watch as many games as, as, as myself uh, or, you know, some of the big guys who actually get to see a lot of the stuff in person because it's their actual job, like an Eric Longenhan or someone like that. Um, you know, they're starting to get up to speed on all the information. And it's sort of interesting because there are some really good opinions that are out there. But Austin Riley is a player that I feel I'm probably going to move up uh, well within uh, the top 80, uh, maybe within, maybe he's 75, maybe he's pushing, you know, into the 60s. Riley, honestly, has sort of transformed into exactly what I think the Braves were hoping he would be when they when they took him back as, a, I think, a first-round supplemental pick uh, back in uh, 2015. Um, but he's really broken out. Um you know, he struggled a little bit in, in, in Florida State League. I think that should be expected, and I think it really should be mentioned every single time we talk about these rough power numbers in the, in the Florida State League. But this is sort of the inverse of the Cal League, well, what used to be the Cal League, because that's a bad example, but the PCL. The PCL is probably still uh, the penultimate uh, uh, offensive league besides major leagues with their juice balls. Um, but... Florida State League is the opposite. He struggled there, rightly so, but I don't think it was ever awful. And if you look at his career numbers, those were the numbers that were sort of skewed and out of line in comparison to what he had done in his first half of season and, and then really predominantly the second half of last year. But, you know, he's always hit for power. Uh, the approach is there. It's not great, but he hits for average too. You know, he sort of balances the, the contact power thing without striking out a ton. Um, and he's improved sort of as he's improved his conditioning, his defense has improved. He's got a solid arm. I think, I think he can stick at third base. And I think as the thoughts of Kevin Maiton, potentially even keeping Kevin Maiton, we'll see how that all shakes out with the Braves. Um, I think the Braves fans and sort of the consensus has gone the other way that Riley is really the third baseman of the future and potentially in very short order. And that Maiton, if he stays in the organization, is a bit more of a project, I think, than anybody suspected. Maybe even the Braves. We'll see uh, uh, on that front. But Riley, you know, himself killed the Fall League. Slash line 300, 364, 657, six homers and 18 RBIs. Um, you know, he really worked on shortening the swing. As I mentioned, sort of gotten the, the, the conditioning down. He's point like a tiger now. Um, people compare him to Chipper, Chipper Jones. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but he killed the Southern League with Mississippi. I don't know if he gets a double-A assignment or if he sees a full season in Gwinnett. I don't think he's long for the for, for the minors. I think we could actually see him as early as next summer, depending upon how he handles these assignments and uh, injuries and, and such on the major league level. So 
we may have an opportunity to see Austin Riley at the major league level with uh, the first wave of this core with, with Albies and Acuna and some of these other guys. Really exciting times for the Braves. I think uh, they could even come into contention in 2019. I don't know about 2018 unless they sign a couple of vets, but I think that uh, we're on the cusp of something special, something Cubs-like that uh, they have an opportunity, as, especially as the Marlins have decided to apparently throw in the towel. I don't know if a statement trade has been made. I haven't looked at Twitter in the last five minutes, uh, so there might be a chance. I've talked about Twitter a lot today. I'm probably showing you that it's far too important in my life. Uh, anyway, coffee break. Hold on a moment. All right, so uh, moving on from Austin Riley, let's talk about some players um, also on Peoria. We're just going to apparently go through Peoria for the entire day. So moving on uh, for some players, uh, first off, I want to talk about Louis Urias. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about Louis Urias is it seems like there's a contingent of fantasy writers that went down to the Fall League and they saw Louis Urias and through no fault of their own, they fell in love. And he, and you, Louis Urias is a great player. He's he's little, but he you know he's sort of got like sort of a strong upper body and a really nice swing and great control of the head of the bat and just awareness in the strike zone. You know, walks more than he strikes out. He barely strikes out. He's sort of an old school ball player. This guy would have been a classic, you know, back in the day. And I think from a fantasy perspective, because he's small. And maybe a little bit underrated. People want to bring up Jose Ramirez, and then of course Altuve, our MVP. They want to bring him up as well. But the thing that both of those guys had going for them, in addition to the excellent hit tool that Louis Urias absolutely has, is they had speed. So as the power maybe grew, and maybe Louis Urias will have similar power to the two of them. This is a guy that does not run that well. I mean, you know, he he had no steals in the fall league. He was caught three times, um, and and I think that limits his value. Unless he's going to hit twenty five homers and hit three hundred, I mean, is he really any better than like Jed Lowry? You know, maybe he can win a batting title. And I think you know maybe I'm downplaying his influence in that sense. I do think he'll be a top ten shortstop, but you know, I had him at the back end of my top one hundred. I've had him close to fifty before. Um, maybe I even had him just about fifty in the mid season. Other guys have come up. He's just not that exciting. I mean, he is a very good prospect. He's a top 100 prospect. He should be owned in, in all formats and points leagues. I think he's great. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't play any, any of those Orno formats or whatever the heck they call them over on Fangraphs. I don't know if, you know, it's almost points like, again, and, and he plays up well there, then, then go at it. But he's not Jose Ramirez or Altuve. He doesn't have the speed. Um, and I don't think he's eventually going to have the power that, that, either of them have, I think it'll be a little, a tick, a tick under. I think he's almost like a 2016 Dustin Pedroia. You know, good batting average, maybe some, um, you know, good counting stats because he can hit, be a good two-hitter. I think he's a very good National League player. I think he's a very good real-life player. Um, but I think people have sort of overstated him as a prospect. But I want that sort of gets me to somebody that I think is a little bit underrated, and I'm surprised that people um, haven't fallen in love with him a little bit. And maybe it's because he has a pretty goofy swing. And that's Mariner's prospect, uh, Eric, I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, Felia. So Eric Felia swings a bat almost exactly like Craig Council. He's got that big uh, wind up with his hands. But as soon as he gets that thing dropped and his hands get a little bit lower right before he sort of, right as he cocks it, right before he swings, 
through the back into the zone very quickly. Quick lefty swing. He does have a little bit of uppercuts to it. He doesn't hit a lot of homers, and he didn't hit a lot of homers uh, in the Cali. But I do want to mention that he was he was hitting a Modesto, which is an awful power park, like an absolutely dreadful power park. I think it's one of the worst in the minors, and, and that's one of the misconceptions now um, with with the Cal League. If you're not playing in Lancaster, and if I'm not mistaken, Modesto is either in the North Division, I think it's the North Division of the Cal League, and and those parks are, are, you know, stocked in. I think there's just a ton of pitchers parks there. So I, I don't want to downplay his power. He only had one homer in the fall league, but it's a small sample. But he did slash 408. He was a batting title champ, 483, 605. I covered this guy in my 2016 draft sleepers. He's a really interesting prospect. You know, he had um, four, four triples, four doubles. Runs well on the bases. He's not a guy that's going to steal a lot of bases. You know, I think he was at a little bit over, maybe like a 60, 65% clip in terms of steals this season. But I think he does a little bit of everything. Very similar to yours, but he's not a middle infielder. But I do think there's a little bit more power ceiling there. I know he's 25, so it's easy to dismiss it, especially when you're talking about yours, who's as young as he is, you know, he's 1920. Um so I, I understand that side of it, but I, I do think this guy obviously is way outside of top 100 lists, probably not in most top 200 lists. Maybe he's creeping onto him now. But I do think he's, he's worth uh, a look in maybe 16-team leagues where uh, 10, to 15 team, you know, uh, 10 to 15 prospects are owned per team. I think that he's sort of interesting there. Um, I, I, I also think that, you know, obviously in deeper leagues, especially if you have five outfielders and it's, you know, a 20 plus team league, um, a guy like him is, you know, he becomes very valuable. So I take a look at him. I, I think that maybe there's more power there and he'll start to grow into it. He'll get out of that, that awful hitting environment in Modesto. And let's see what he does um, in, in, in 2018. I think it'll be kind of interesting. He should get a double-A assignment. Obviously, he handled the fall league well, which comps very favorably to a strong double-A league. So I think he should be uh, fine there. Um, hmm, let's talk about some other players that uh, I sort of observed here in the fall league. One that I'm sort of interested in, and I think this is funny because we're talking about another sort of older prospect. And uh, that guy being Jonathan Davis uh, of the Blue Jays. And he's he's pretty old. I think he's 26 or 27 years old. And uh, Davis is a guy that not a lot of uh, not a lot of players, uh, a lot of, lot of fantasy players are talking about. Not a lot of managers are even interested in. And I understand it. But in some of my deeper leagues where he's totally, he's still not only like 13 leagues. This guy is close to the majors. He had a good season kind of a streaky player. He's been streaky with health a lot, a lot of DL stints, but he beat out some pretty good players for playing time in AA there. Depending upon what happens with Alfred and, and Tioscar at the major league level, this guy is sort of an interesting fourth outfielder that maybe could give you some you know, power speed returns if he, if, he, if he gets into some playing time. And that's the kind of player that in some of my 30-team leagues, I know that I like to go really deep here. I know it probably gets a lot of people rolling their eyes, but Hey, man, I love the 30-team leagues. I play in four or five of them. Uh, my RAS 30, which is my, my heart league, that's my, that's my fam claws up. Um, you know, it's my thing, man. It's what I like to do. And I think that he's somebody that could be pretty valuable. Uh, let's move on to somebody else that's going to be moving up and somebody that's moving down in my top 100. Um, I think this is the first player we're going to be talking about that doesn't play on Peoria. 
That would be Mitch Keller of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, and let me say, he was the most impressive pitcher uh, in the fall league, more so than Justin Sheffield, uh, more so um, than the, the uh, aforementioned uh, Max Fried and other players as well that we'll probably get into a little bit too. But Keller, the thing that I was really impressed with is the development of the changeup. He now has three legitimate pitches between his breaking ball, uh, his fastball, and this changeup, the changeup looks like it's a plus pitch now. Um, you know, and that fastball, he gets easy velocity. I know a few people got 100 uh, mile per hour readings out of the gun uh, from him. I, I don't know if that's legit or not. I, I'd be interested to see if, if that's actually the case. Um, I've seen him tick up to 98 before. Anything over that, I'm a little skeptical. But he's consistent with 96, 97. Uh, and he can pound it in there. And, and like I said, it's just leisurely the way that he's able to toss uh, that ball for strikes. So, you know, I, th- I think, you know, he's definitely sort of an interesting player. Um, somebody that's going to be moving up quite a bit in my top 100 and I've had him higher before. And I, I guess maybe, I don't know if like a prospect fatigue, I don't know if it was the fact that he did have a couple of, of, of little injuries here, um, or what it was, but now that I've seen the change up and he has three legit pitches, I think this guy has ace potential. And I think I'm probably going to be just swapping him with Kyle Lewis in my top 100 way. I, I had well within the top 40. I think I had him 33, 34, 35, somewhere about, uh, somewhere in there. Um, but the thing with Lewis at this point is he has not responded well at all to this injury. Um, he's come back from it. He had his little, you know, pop uh, in the playoffs there for the Cali when he was hitting Modesto. Um, and, you know, they won and he looked great. And, you know, he's headed to the fall league. I thought everything was going in the right direction. It looked like he was finally not so gimpy. Chip of the fall league didn't look so good. Tweaked whatever it was or just was sort of slow to begin with. I, that's sort of the, the, the reports that I had heard. And, you know, who knows? I, I don't know, you know if he's in the shelf. I don't know if they were just being cautious, if there really is some worry there. Um, I'm assuming that he's, he's probably hurt because... Otherwise, Gary DePoto would have moved him for like a uh, like Henry Owens or some sort of totally meaningless pitching prospect that he shouldn't give up a good player for. But you know it's coming down the pike. Sorry, sorry, Mariner fans. If Eric uh, Filia actually turns into anything, I'm gonna guess that that's the case too. By the way, Eric Filia, I hope I'm saying his name right because his father actually retweeted or liked a tweet of mine. Here we go with the Twitter stuff again, but it's how I interact with the the, the baseball world now that I don't have an opportunity to talk to anybody about prospects. <laughs> Um, so I had a uh, tweet something out and he actually liked it. So I hope I'm saying your name, right? Uh, apologies if I'm not. So anyway, Kyle Lewis will be moving down. Um, other sort of news and notes, uh, Eloy Jimenez was destroying the Dominican winter league. I think Eloy, he's going to keep moving up and up and up and up. Um, you know, I would be, I would be shocked at this point. Um, you know, if, uh, He's not a number one overall prospect in a couple of lists. And I think that they have a pretty legitimate case for him there. But at this point, you know, while we still have Ronald Acuna and, and personally, I'm still going to go with the massive upside of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I think could be an actual better version of uh, Eloy Jimenez, as, as you know, difficult as that is to, to fathom. Let's, let's really think about um, you know, what Vlad has done at this age. I mean, this, this year, you know, 323, 425, 
45. He's just 18 years old, years younger than, than Eloy Jimenez. And, um, you know, he's third base eligible at this point. So I, I got to give him the, the, the tick there. Eloy is still a very strong third, and I think it drops off from there. I think there is a difference between Victor Robles. He's sort of in a, a category of his own. We'll get into him in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with Jimenez, I think he's every, every single opportunity he's gotten, all he's done is just show how unbelievably talented he is. So uh, dilly dilly to Eloy Jimenez. I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on going with the whole dilly dilly thing. But um, other guys that have been in the Dominican Winter League, by the way, uh, Wilmer Defoe, uh, Socrates Brito, who I think kills it there every single year. And I know I mentioned this in my, my uh, post last uh, Tuesday, but uh, Jung Ho Kong, uh, Gong is down there as well. I don't know if they're going to let him back into the country. I don't know if he's drinking all the Brugal uh, uh, rum down in the Dominican Republic, hanging out in the Casa de Campo and, and partying it up. I don't know if people know that down there, but uh, sort of an interesting resort. Other guy that's down in the Dominican League is Blake Swihart, who uh, was actually catching and hitting well. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but when I had uh, pulled all the, the, the data last week, he was actually 407, 515, 481. He might be done there now. And I've heard some talk that he could actually play second base. I know he's not te- technically a prospect, but um, at this point, I think he's still interesting, at least from um, the perspective of dynasty leagues. And if he does keep catching eligibility, or if he could turn into sort of a super sub, if he's able to hit at the major league level, and he keeps that catching eligibility. He might be another guy that's uh, very interesting for a lot of different formats. Hmm. Let's go on here. Who else should we uh, dive into? Oh, how about Andre uh, Munoz? I know I had, I had sort of brought him up. Uh, 18 years old. Unbelievable talent. This guy is a fireballer. He's a uh, relief-only prospect at this point. I don't know if they have sort of any designs to... Um, turn him into a starter or not I don't think so um, but he's got a, a, a nasty plus plus fastball plus slider combo 18 years old didn't look like he was you know above you know above his level at all uh, in the fall league showed really well I don't know if we'll see him in the majors next year but I guess it's a, it's a strong possibility in the next two so let's see what we get from Munoz I don't know if he's a future closer this guy is somebody who you know, the, the wick might be pretty short on this guy. He might be washed up at like 25. So let's see what we can get out of him. These guys usually don't have, you know, these sort of teenage fireballers don't have um, that sort of long-term uh, upside. But I guess that remains to be seen. We shouldn't, we shouldn't write this kid off uh, before we've seen it. Let's talk about Chavez as well. I, I, I put out my, um, my, my, my top um, Boston Red Sox prospects. I don't know if I'm going to end up dropping this on Tuesday or if this is going to come out maybe on Thanksgiving. If so, you should listen to it after you, you bump a little Alice's Restaurant. It's a Thanksgiving tradition myself. Um, right after I get a little bit smoky and then, you know, eat some Charisse and some, some turkey and you know, all the good stuff that we have at uh, my Portuguese New England Thanksgiving. Maybe I'll talk about that next week with Lance. I'm going to find out what he does for his uh, Thanksgiving tradition. So, uh, I don't know when when it's going to come out, and if my if my Cubs uh, top uh, prospects will come up then, if they will come on on Sunday. But either way, Michael Chavez, um, you know, did hit four homers. I know the batting average wasn't great. He was striking out loud contact though. Those are reports that I heard everywhere. I, I saw the same thing when I saw him in Hartford a couple of times this year. Um, you know, as a, as a visiting player, uh, saw him one time with my my homie Nick the Dick. Big shots to Nick. 
um, Crab Army General. We had our families together, that whole thing, uh, as we've done a few times. You know, Nick is a, is a dear friend. Um, but Chavez, man, I'll tell you, when this kid makes contact, it wasn't Raphael uh, Devers loud, but, man, Chavez makes some loud contact. You know, he has serious power. I think he homered in one of the games I saw him. Um, so I totally believe, you know, I think he started to hit more to the opposite field this year as well, um, which was an excellent sign. I know that he shortened up his swing a little bit. I was going back and forth um, with uh, John uh, Calvago, Cal- John Calvagno from, or John from Sally Notes. Hopefully I didn't, I didn't butcher your name, dude. I am, I am not great with uh, the name pronunciations. As you well know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any time at all, you know what? Wow, man, we've already been talking now for uh, 40 minutes. So why don't I, uh, before we wrap this up, let's get big shots out to RotoWare, RotoWare.com. That's Kenneth Cashman. Check him at RotoWare uh, on Twitter, uh, RotoWare.com, at Kenneth Cashman or Kate Cashman, or whatever the heck your handle is, bro. Um, he does Roto Rhymes. This guy has his finger on the pulse, as um, we've mentioned many times. Only the highest quality shirts, really dope designs. Has them for men as well as for women. Uh, baseball shirts. He's got some hockey shirts. He's got a ton of football stuff that's very relevant. Um, all like inside jokes. I don't know if you, I know one that's been really, really popular. He's had this with the Yahoo guys, some of the other uh, you know big personalities um, for fantasy sports that have their own shows and such, maybe myself included. We've seen a lot of these different shows like Lineups and Chill, some of those different shirts. Great stuff that he's been putting out there. Finger on the pulse, only the highest quality. You can wear these uh, with jeans at a bar, all the things that we've heard before. And I'll tell you, man, I, I have a whole bunch of them. My kids have them. They love wearing them. They like to say he's a daddy's friend shirt. Um, so big shots to Kenny. Yeah, Roto Wear. Check it out. Um, I think the, the code is Sagnoff. I believe it's 15 or 20% discount you're getting now. If it's not 20, I'll cover the other 5%. All right, Kenny, you just let me know. I'll cover it. I'll throw it in. We'll make sure it's there. Sagnoff is the promo code. Lifshits is the promo code, even though it isn't. But uh, you can always hit up Kenny. Follow him on Twitter, man. He's giving away some cool stuff. And uh, he's putting out a lot of interesting, funny tweets. He's a funny guy. He did some funny stuff. You know, the whole baseball prospectus thing that's been going on. You should check one of his tweets. I don't want to go into that. I don't want to get sued by anybody. But wrapping up here, uh, now that we've sort of gone through all my, my fall league thoughts, we've, we've talked on, on help and uh, Lance welcoming Lance under the podcast. You're probably sick of hearing me talk at this point. Um, so what else, what else should we go into? Um, players that also made some noise in the fall league I wanted to mention. Last guy I'm going to bring up from this is Monty Harrison. And Monty Harrison is a really – Interesting player. Um, strikeout issues there, absolutely. Um, you know, I, there's definitely some concerns. I, I snuck him on to the back end of my top 100. I think it's very justified when you look at the power speed combo that this guy has. Um, legitimate, you know, Division One prospect, sort of, you know, for, for, for football. I think very similar to what you saw from Taylor Trammell. Um, obviously, he's older than Trammell at 22. This guy's been a bit of a, pro, a, a project. You know, it's been 2014 was when he was drafted. So, you know, it's still coming along slowly, but this guy does have 60-grade power. The hit tool is taking some time to come along. Um, you know, as we sort of saw this season in low A, you know, he walked 11% of the time across 63 games. Strikeouts are 26%. Strikeouts ticked up a little bit, but the walks are way down once he hit the Carolina League. That is a difficult league, very lefty-centric, um, very much a pitcher's league. 
but he he put up a very respectable showing. Uh, I mean, in 59 games, 10 homers, 50, uh, 16 steals. Though he walked a lot less, he had a better batting average, 278. I think, you know, one of the other things that, that he is able to do is, you know, sort of make up for a lack of a ton of fly balls with a lot of hard line drive contact. Um, the fly balls were up at A, and I don't know if these readings are a little bit off. This is fan graphs data, but we'll, we'll go off of it. His line drive rate was 27.3% uh, there at, at high A, and that is, that is an elite line drive rate. That means he's making the best sort of contact. He's relatively pull heavy, um, but he has the ability to hit for power to the opposite field. I think he had a couple of opposite field homers there as well. So that's always good to see. Uh, Monty Harrison should be somebody that I think will start the season at double A. Should be on everyone's radar. Another outfielder in that organization. Though. They have way too many outfielders at this point. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty difficult uh, to differentiate between who's going to get playing time and what Milwaukee's going to end up doing with this sort of uh, uh, ridiculous uh, embarrassment of riches that they have in the outfield with Lewis Brinson. And that sort of brings me to the last guy I wanted to bring up. And that is Victor Robles. And I think that what Victor Robles has done for himself is really cemented himself as the safe guy compared to Ronald Acuna. And I think that he's also sort of surpassed, in many people's mind. Eloy Jimenez because of the defense. And I think on real life lists, people will say that. Um, others will, will point to the fact that he's he's had some success at the AA level and that we haven't seen a ton from Eloy at that level. And, 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 and people who get sort of level-centric as opposed to being able to really put things into context and perspective. And that's a whole conversation for another time. Um, but people get a little bit too caught up in level. And like, oh my God, like oh, what, what just because this guy hit 340 at high A, he can't hit. 280 with the same amount of homers at double A. I mean, and where's he doing it? What's the ballpark and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's silly, but I think that he has become sort of the Benintendi to Acuna's Moncada. But I think both of those guys have much higher ceilings than Benintendi being Robles and Acuna being Moncada. Well, I don't know, maybe Acuna's upside isn't as high as Moncada's, but I, I, you know what? I'd be damn. I'd be damned if it's not just about equal. It's pretty close, and I think his floor is higher. So, you know, with what we've seen, I think he's become sort of the safe name. And, man, if you look at the the, 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 the batting videos from the Fall League, this is the first time we get to see a lot of these guys in good high def with a couple of different angles. I know myself, I was able to watch three or four games and really get a, a good look at Robles and, and you know, some of the videos that were popping up there because a lot of guys that I, I interact with on Twitter – um, you know, we're, we're putting up videos and I really want to say if, if, if you're on Twitter if for only the reason to follow videos and content, do it because it is really worth it. There's a lot of good material out there. You don't have to engage you with the knuckleheads. You don't have to get silly and do all the, 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 the ridiculousness that you can get into. You just follow and, and really get a good, good insight into some of these players. And that's how I'm able to follow so much, take in as much information as I am. And uh, big shots to all everyone putting stuff out there. Kelly Kusalik and some of these other uh, sort of prospectors. Emily Walden being another one. There's some really good follows there for prospect content. Um, you know, Matt Winkleman and, and others. I could just keep on going on for days and days and days. But there's really good content out there. It's it's a worthy reason. If you're a prospect town, get on there and, and just, you know, stay low-key and just, just follow uh, prospect stuff, man. Stay with me. I, I promise you, 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 I won't steer you wrong. But. Long and the short of it, Robles is a player that I think has an opportunity to come up this year. If, if they feel that he is 
the third best outfielder, you know, in an organization behind Adam Eaton and Bryce Harper. I don't, I don't think they will. Um, but if they do, there's a chance that we see him very early on and maybe, maybe, you know, he's, he's up and, and has a relevant season. It's a great lineup. You know, he can run a little bit. I think the power will come and with these, these juice balls, you know, we, we can't discount the power, especially when these guys have a little bit of power and, and it's just a matter of, will it be high end enough? Well, maybe it will, you know, maybe it will. Um, and, and I don't see why he couldn't have a Benintendi type of season, though he's younger than Benintendi was obviously last year. I don't see why he couldn't do that. I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity. I don't think so. I think he goes back to Syracuse and we see a full season with him in AAA. Um, but if he doesn't, I think there's a chance that this guy could hit 280 and maybe hit 15 homers, 15 homers, steal maybe 30 bases. So maybe it's not the 2020 season that, that Benintendi had, but more like 1530. And I think, you know, he, he sort of gets the same sort of cumulative number uh, of 40, 45, you know, total. And I think he could have a lot more runs. Uh, I think this guy could be a 100-run producer because I think he could potentially be you know, a, a one or a two-hitter, maybe not, but uh, maybe he hits the bottom of the order. But I, I still think in an order like that, he's going to get his runs. It's going to be a good team. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens with Robles. I think at the very least we see him by August, and he will be in the playoff hunt because he is a very good uh, outfielder. So uh, there you go. So was, that's our first and only prospect podcast that will be entirely me by myself, no one else. Just Ralph. So this is Ralph Lifshitz of Rasball.com. We'll be coming back with uh, Lance in, in a week or two. I'll, I'll be handling the uh, the co-hosting duties with Gray Albright in the big show. That's a, a dream come true. Hopefully I can bring the sort of golden pipes that uh, Nick Capozzi brought to it with some of the insight and humor that, that Halp has and uh, some of the ball busting, I guess, that JB was able to bring to it. You know, a little bit of everything here. As, as we put together this podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Prospect Jesus. Uh, you can find me. I'm going to have some stuff coming back in a week or so with Andy Singleton over on Fantrax, uh, the YouTube stuff. That's uh, YouTube Fantrax. You can, you can check us out on there. We're going to have a live show with uh, Jacob Faria of the Tampa Bay Rays. We're doing an interview with him, talking a little bit with him for the full hour. That should be interesting. Um, but uh, thanks for, for rocking with me today. This is Ralph Lipschitz signing off. Over and out. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply. Stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232.